0: You're listening to the Rob Review podcast. Evan Rob and Laura Rob share their thoughts and opinions on teaching, learning, and leadership. And now, the Rob Review podcast with Evan and Laura.
1: This is Evan Rob and I'm joined today with Laura Rob. This is the Rob Review podcast. Welcome Laura.
0: Well, I am very excited today and I know you think I'm always excited, but this topic is the best.
1: <laughs> Laura, every topic is the best, but you know your passion and your enthusiasm uh, it it it's, it's great. I love it, and gets me excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today. You know, over the weekend, I was watching some old movies, and I was watching Ghostbusters, and it kind of made me think about reading and some things in reading that need to be busted also. Um, And that kind of brings us to the topic of this podcast, which is myths that exist within reading. So I've got a list and I've actually sat in, in my living room and came up with a list that I want to throw some topics at you. And I want you to share some of your thoughts on how these are myths that exist within the world of reading. And I'll throw in a couple comments also. So let's start with my number one, that silent reading is not learning.
0: That is a huge myth. The research is no contest. We know from research that was done in 1988 by Anderson and uh, by Steve Krashen in 2004 that students who read self-selected books 65 minutes a day are exposed to more than 4.3 million words, while students who read under... 10 minutes a day are exposed to about five hundred twenty-two thousand words
1: that's absolutely significant you know and i of course as you know i'm a school principal and i hate to have to say this but there are certainly principals in america who discourage silent reading happening within language arts classrooms because they believe that the teachers aren't doing anything
0: the teachers are doing a lot because they're helping they're teaching students how to choose a book Uh, They're going around and chatting with students and having conversations uh, to test their engagement and to keep encouraging them uh, to read. We know volume matters, and it also improves vocabulary because you see words in multiple contexts and it builds background knowledge. It is probably one of the most important things that needs to happen in a classroom.
1: Excellent, of course, I certainly agree with that. So let me throw another, another myth at you, and this is a belief that collaborating is cheating.
0: Oh, yes. Um, I've heard that uh, in schools that I go to when I put kids in group. The teachers tell me, oh, but they're gonna cheat. Collaboration is not cheating. It's sharing and exchanging ideas And it it helps everybody because you can solve problems through collaboration. You can build your background knowledge. You can also monitor how your peers process information, analyze information. So collaboration becomes a teaching tool, a problem-solving tool. And the idea that you're going to steal someone's ideas is bogus because the only ideas you are going to hold on to in a – 10 to 15-minute collaborative discussion are the ideas that connect to your own prior knowledge.
1: You know, I appreciate that. Very well said. And, you know, collaborating is a skill that that we want our students to learn as they move through through school because it's certainly a skill that they're going to need when they're adults. So here's another myth for you. And this one I wrote down, and uh, it's a little sad that I wrote this one down because, you know, I have interesting memories of my middle school reading uh, language arts experience when I was in middle school and the myth is is that teachers reading aloud all period is a good thing.
0: Oh, I think it is one of the worst things. That that ranks with not being able to do silent reading uh, in class. When the teacher first reads aloud, all period. um, I just checked today, it's interesting, for an article I'm writing research that students in middle and high school can listen to somebody for 12 to 15 minutes. After that, they zone out and they're totally inattentive. The other thing is that if the teacher is reading the book, the teacher's getting better and the students are not reading. We know that in order to make progress in reading, you have to read. Otherwise, you slide backwards. And,
1: and as you know, and as, as you remember, Mama, I always confess this, that I, I really didn't do any reading at all when I was in middle school because I was a recipient of a teacher who would read aloud with, with tremendous uh, enthusiasm and very dramatic, uh, but I never read anything.
0: It becomes a one-man show, but that's not learning how to read. To learn how to read and to begin to enjoy reading, you have to read. And you have to learn how to choose books that are relevant to you and speak to you and that you care about.
1: And I appreciate your understanding, Lori. It it makes me feel better that you accept this confession that I make (laughs) about my middle school reading experience. So here's another one I'd like to toss at you. The class novel, one book for everyone, is the way to go.
0: Well, you know, there are a couple of downsides to that one. I've been in school districts where um, the district chose the class novel 10 years ago, and they're still doing it, or even 15 years ago, and it's not relevant, and kids hate it. That's one thing that is really bad about that. The other thing is uh, most classes have a huge range of reading. This year, uh, the class I'm working with has a range of reading from kindergarten through seventh grade and everything in between, the class novel won't work with those kids. And the kids who are at the low end will never make progress because they can't read it. The kids who can read it easily are at their independent reading level and they're not being stretched through good instruction. Yeah,
1: you know, and and, and the other thing that can happen at times is, you know, the teacher will prepare to teach the class novel and half of the class will have already read the book. Um, Or it will be a class novel that the teacher may truly love, and and it may have been a book that resonated with them very, very strongly, but the kids really aren't aren't connecting with it.
0: You know, Evan, that's another thing. Yes, there are books I love that I would never bring to the classroom because the kids don't love them. Why are we in school? Why are we teaching for the children? Not to feed our own reading uh, tastes. We're there to help children find and develop their literary tastes.
1: And that's very well said. It's certainly something I think we'll talk about in another podcast, which is uh, at certain levels of schooling, particularly in high school, there are certain books that have been very sacred in high schools all across America as the book that's read at ninth grade and certain books being read at tenth grade.
0: I have to tell you, I'm working in a district that we're changing uh, to workshop where everybody is in a different self-selected book, but they took me into their book room, and I was horrified. There was 80 to 100 copies of the same book because there were so many sections that needed that book. That is such a poor use of funds. when If you just bought four to six copies of a book. Look at all the different titles you could have and the choices that you could offer students.
1: Okay, I have one more for this podcast, and I know this is one that gets you, you really fired up, so I've saved this one for last. And it is a belief that all independent reading must, with capital letters, be assessed.
0: Absolutely not. And the, you know the kinds of assessments that, I had, and I know you had, was dioramas. What does a diorama show about your understanding of reading? The other thing is that if everything you read independently is assessed, think of the child who reads eight to ten books a month. They're getting punished. So they're not going to even tell anyone that they're reading that many books as soon as they figure out that they have to do a project on each book. And then I've been in schools where the teachers get so discouraged that they have to grade all these projects that they want to abandon independent reading, which is the most important element for student achievement and progress. Yeah, I think
1: sometimes um, it's easy to get hung up with how do we hold them accountable versus how do we inspire them to read. And, and, you know, and I did make some dioramas when I was in middle school, but I didn't make them off of reading a book, I made them off of listening to someone read a book out loud to me.
0: And that's even worse, Evan. The other thing is we have to look at the glass half full. Yes, there will be students who don't read, but what I love to do is a book talk a month so that if you have 25 kids and they each do a book talk a month, which takes about two to three minutes, then I'm exposing all my students to a variety of books that their peers have either enjoyed or not enjoyed enjoyed that much. But you know, with technology, we can do a lot of creative, fun things, uh, but we cannot uh, assess every book a child reads. And when teachers get into that mode, I always ask them, ask yourself, do I do that? Am I getting assessed? Or is someone reading a book out to me out loud to me? Or do I do round-robin reading with my family at night? If the answer is no, then don't do it, because it's not authentic.
1: Yeah, I have not recently been inspired to make a diorama off of a book that I've read in the past few years.
0: I'm surprised, Evan, because you <laughs> did so many of them, I would think that and you would love them. And I remember painting the back and, you know, cutting out the characters. and. But, but You, it had you nothing were always to... a
1: pathway to my high grades with those. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> but yeah, but it had nothing to do with reading. And, and of course you weren't reading it was on a book that the teacher had read to you
1: (laughs) yes that's true but you definitely you have a good picture of my reading experience when i was in middle school now so i feel a lot better so we are coming to a close of our rob review podcast you know laura there are a lot of things when you and i have our our conversations when we're not recording that exist within the mythology of education. We just tapped a few with reading. So I think we'll do some more uh, as time moves on where we'll tackle some of the other myths that exist within education. And i very much like to hear your thoughts and opinions because you certainly bring a lot of experience to to all of those topics.
0: Well, you know, I, I get very excited about that because I, I'm a big believer in reading should be student-centered, and authentic and i appreciate your honesty about your reading life evan i knew some of it and some i didn't but in the scheme of things you have become a reader which is wonderful
1: Uh, thank you very much and it it makes me uh feel good that you uh appreciate my honesty i I appreciate that very (laughs) much so this comes to a close the rob review podcast laura thank you for spending some time with me we hope you enjoyed the rob review podcast
0: We hope you enjoyed the Rob Review Podcast. Check out our blogs at therobreviewblog.com and tell a friend. Thanks again and see you next time.